You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, let's get started with some news and notes and stuff. Um, Mac Jones is officially out, which makes the most sense. I, again, it was so weird with the whole, he's definitely going to be out for a long time, but also, I don't know, he's kind of day-to-day. It was all fake, stupid nonsense. Also, defensive tackle Lawrence Guy is out with a shoulder injury. He will not be playing. There's a whole bunch of stuff being made about Lawrence Guy. Lawrence Lawrence Guy is his name, not the other thing. Something about Lawrence Guy being this top-tier run defender and all this stuff, and it's a massive loss for them. Um, Lawrence Guy is their number three defensive tackle. Lawrence Guy is also one of the lowest-graded run defenders that they have on their team. So... I'm not super buying it. He has three pressures on 40 attempts, so I'm not worried about that either. I, you know, I don't think it means a whole lot, but if you want to let people tell you that it's a massive deal, that's fine. I'm sure it's not great to lose part of your rotation. It's going to mean Carl Davis has more snaps, although, again, he's been better than uh, Lawrence Guy as a run defender. Also, Daniel Ukuale be getting more reps again. So far, grading out better as a run defender. Not necessarily that he's better. He hasn't played very much. I'm just saying everybody is pretty much grading out better as a run defender. But it, it doesn't help. It's, it would be like if we lost Dean Lowry and it's like, well, he doesn't grade out very well. It's like, yeah, well, he's still very experienced and a critical part of us being able to run what it is we want to run. So it's, it's going to hurt. But again, he's the number three guy, so not really. And when I say number three, I don't mean like, you know, one, you know, David Godshaw gets 104 snaps, Christian Barmore gets 102, and Lawrence Guy gets 100. He has 79. So it's, you got your main two guys, because it's a 4-3, not a 3-4 like the Packers, where it's like, okay, you've got your, you have your main three. No, they have their main two. Then there's the second tier guys after that. Lawrence Guy's the next up after those two, but still, he's not, he's not good. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Looking at his history, Lawrence Guy was kind of at his best in 2018. He had like one elite year, um, but he's he's going on 33 years old. So after that elite year, it's been kind of straight downhill from there. Two upper 60 years, then a lower 60. And so far right now, he's in the 50s as far as overall PFF grade. But, you know, it's a thing and it doesn't help them. That's for sure. But anyways, um, as for practice, I don't have the official. I just checked the Packers injury report up. However, uh, apparently Caleb Jones is the only one that did not practice. I don't know in what capacity everybody else did, but all the guys that did not practice presumably did practice um, today. That's what's at least being assumed. The media can't really watch, but they saw guys in helmets walking over to the practice field. And I'm guessing if you are DNP, you just don't go in that direction. I don't know. But that's, that's what we're assuming so far. Doesn't mean they're playing. Just positive development. Anyways, um, I don't want to do what I did last week. Um, Generally, I like to do my Sunday game predictions on Saturday because, you know, I want Sunday to be more fun. But if I forget, then it is what it is. But today, I didn't forget. 
So I want to look at the upcoming games, again, specifically trying to focus on things that matter, but, you know, having fun either way. But starting off, Minnesota Vikings and the Saints. I don't think I've learned much, and every time I feel like I'm starting to learn things, I don't think I've learned anything. The one thing that I said I I think we're starting to realize is the Vikings offense is not actually that great. Right, 23 points against the Packers when we were gifting you points sucks. Seven points against Philly sucks. Even 28 against Detroit is not that good, but it's a move in the right direction. And now you're going up against the Saints, who um, I want to say probably have the best defense of any team that you've faced thus far. Although you know the Eagles and Packers are supposedly pretty good and all that, but. But then you look at the Saints defense and they're ranked 18th in points. So I don't know what's going on. Although they haven't actually given up a lot of points. I think every game is just so low scoring. They give up 26, 20 and 22 and they're ranked 18th. That's just crazy how low scoring all these things have been. And it really just goes to show offenses are not where they're supposed to be. And, and, and that's, that's kind of the issue I have with this game is eventually teams are going to figure it out. So if I sit here and say the Vikings don't have an offense and they suck, I can't help but feel like they're going to find it. I don't know if it's going to happen on the road in New Orleans week four. Last time they were on the road, granted it was a, you know, really late game or whatever, but this is kind of the same. I mean, is this considered like a a primetime game or is this like an early morning game where Kirk usually does better? I don't think this looks great for Minnesota. However, I don't like New Orleans. Apparently, Jameis is playing. He's in a lot of pain, but they're on the verge of replacing Jameis, who just completely sucks at football. The last two weeks, they've scored 10 and 14. They scored 14 against Carolina. That's not a good defense. And and Atlanta has a horrific defense, and they only scored 27. That's not a bad score, but that's it. And they won by one point. So I want to pick the Vikings, but the fact that it's, quote-unquote, a primetime game, and it's, it's way out of the... You know, it's, it's obviously a long distance to travel, and the Vikings last time they hit the road were just abysmal, Kirk Cousins in particular, and this is really hitting the road. I know I keep saying in New Orleans, I, I just mean whatever, I don't know. They're, they're the away team, doesn't matter. It's, it's way on the road, though. I really want to just sit here and say the Vikings are going to win this game because the Saints are in shambles. That's what I'm feeling. I mean, the, the Vikings are, are healthy. Zadarius Smith is questionable, that's about it, but... I mean, their number one wide receiver's out. Their quarterback is playing, but it doesn't matter. He's hurt and he sucks. Well, I don't even know that he's playing. I don't know. I was, I was watching videos on it and everybody said he's playing, but it says he's doubtful. Marcus May is out. Andrus Pete is out. There's three people with torso injuries. I've never seen that before. Travis Landry's questionable. I mean, it, it's got to be the Vikings, right? And the annoying part about it is they're going to do a massive victory lap because just like the Bears beat a playoff team in the, in the 49ers, the Vikings are going to... At least the defense will be... I, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, and I think the Vikings win. The, the only question I guess I have is, are the Vikings going to find their offense in this game? But it's still a pretty stout defense. They've got the over-under set at 41.5. The other thing that sucks is they're actually... The Saints are a pretty good rushing team right now, and the Vikings are still really bad at that. I said the same thing when it was the Eagles. I was like, you know, the Eagles are a really good rushing team, and the Vikings struggle with it. This is feeling so much like that Eagles game just not to the same degree. But I, I just, I can't. I can't pick the same. I mean, it's going to be what, Andy Dalton? And their best receiver is Chris Olave, but Chris Olave loses all his teeth when he's not a deep threat anymore because the guy that likes to chuck a deep isn't playing. 
granted, Andy Dalton has had a heyday chucking it up to AJ Green, but that was a long time ago. So it's Dalton to Landry all day. I don't know, man. Um, I'm going to stick with it. I'm not going to overthink it. I think the Vikings take a step offensively, especially with their pass offense, which this uh, Saints aren't bad at, but I don't know, man. Again, Marcus May is out. That's a pretty big hit at the safety spot. So outside of Lattimore and Tyron Matthew, there's really nothing in this DB group. I'll say, uh, I feel like that's too high. I was going to say 24-17. That feels like it's too many points. I want to see the history of, of playing out in London. Kind of a track record there is. Yeah, they tend to be low-scoring games. The only time a team scored a bunch of points, Carolina scored 37 against Tampa, but Tampa scored 26. So the other scores outside of Carolina getting 37 are 26, 27, 20, 23, 20, 24, and 21. Also, no sub-20 games, but still. Um, This is at uh, the Tottenham whatever majigger. There's the injury report. Um, Let's do this really quickly. The only guy that is ruled out of this game is Caleb Jones. Only one guy seems questionable, and that's Jair. So everybody else is good to go. David Bakhtiari, A.J. Dillon, Jonathan Garvin, Elton Jenkins, Lazard, Lewis, and Christian Watson. I don't know that anything else is super uh, questionable. I mean, Christian Watson, we were all kind of concerned early on, but he's been full participant all week. Bakhtiari, I think the is kind of just, you know, he's going to play just how much kind of a thing. So, and I would say that's good news for Jair. You know, we practiced on Friday in a limited fashion, but anyways, we'll leave it at that. All right, I'm I'm done messing around with this game. Um, I've been so bad with score predictions just because, again, I don't, I haven't learned anything yet. I'm going to just say 23-20. I I don't want to overthink this anymore. 23-20 Vikings. So obviously that, you know, we want New Orleans to win the game. That's not even debatable. That would bring the Minnesota Vikings to 3-1, and one, which is the best we could do is tie them at that, and then they still have the tiebreaker with us. I guess the good news is there's no divisional games this week. There's no Lions-Vikings, no Bears-Lions or anything like that where one of the teams has to win. It would be nice if one of the teams had to lose, but you don't want a situation where somebody has to go to 3-1. and one. You know, if it was like Bears-Vikings, well, that sucks because the Vikings are pretty much going to just waltz their way into 3-1, and one, and that's not great. And if the Bears pull up an upset, then you got the stupid Bears a three and one. So I think um, I think it really just comes down to that that Vikings offense is the most important thing. The, the Saints offense is going to struggle. They're going to have a little bit of help with the Vikings struggling defense. They don't really have good DBs or anything, corners especially. And as much as we might think the Saints maybe will become a threat at some points, you'd want them to lose. They're one and two right now. So give them one. But yeah, that's just where I'm at. Browns Falcons doesn't really super matter. Falcons are kind of becoming this Lions sort of thing where they're not good at football necessarily, but everybody really likes their tenacity. And if you didn't know any better, you'd have swore, same as like the Lions. I remember talking about them several months ago and thinking they won like five or six games, come to find out they won three. It's like, that's shocking. But it's just the way everybody talks about them. They're actually a really good team. Falcons are one and two. And I think the point is, and this is kind of what everybody expected, the defense is really terrible, but the offense is surprising. And by surprisingly decent, I mean 26, 27, 27. Cleveland is is almost identical, just slightly better in every metric. Slightly better offense, slightly better defense, which is, again, shocking because you wouldn't think Cleveland would be anything other than a terrible offense and a pretty scary defense. But they've scored 26, 30, and 29. Now, this is against the New York Jets, the Carolina Panthers, and the Steelers without Watt. But again, the Falcons are 
just as bad, if not worse, than all the defenses that they've seen so far. So expect another 30-ish odd points. I don't really know how they're doing it, other than the fact that the Browns still have a really good um, really good offensive line and a really good run game to complement that. And I think the passing just kind of builds off of it. And there's not much passing to go around. They're 25th in passing attempts, 20th in net yards per attempt. They kind of suck at passing. But they take what's there, I guess. So it's two surprisingly good offenses against two really bad defenses. The biggest difference here, though, I'm going to go out on a limb, is that one team is really good at running and one team is really good at passing. You've got Jacoby Brissett with Amari Cooper in an offensive line in a run game, but no real passing ability, against Mariota with Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and somehow a really impressive um, Cordero Patterson. I don't know how. The last two years in Atlanta, he's actually been a very good running back, and I just don't think anybody's noticed it because we're so used to him just being not good at stuff, but he's been very good. I'm going to pick the Falcons. I am. I, I, I think Clowney and Garrett are the biggest wild cards in this because obviously they're um, really scary human beings, but I don't like Cleveland. I think they're filled with drama. I've been banking on that way too much, and they've actually gone on to win two games, but now you got Miles Garrett crashing his car. I just think the team is a mess, and I hate to bank on Marcus Mariota and the Falcons offense, but that's what I'm going to do. Cleveland Browns are actually just one-point favorites, so that's actually, it is in Atlanta, but it's, it's pretty much a, a toss-up. Over-under is relatively high at 47.5. We're going to say Falcons win 30-26. to 26. Dallas and Washington is, is kind of hilarious because everybody pretty much counted out Dallas, and then Cooper Rush comes in and is actually playing pretty good football. And with a decent offensive line, solid running back group, and some good wide receivers, it's not hard to find continued success. When you can just, you know, stand in the pocket and get rid of the ball quickly and, you know, make it work. And so it's kind of the battle of the Dallas Cowboys really bad offense against the Washington Commanders really bad defense. And I think the tiebreaker is the fact that you've got a top 10 defense in Dallas going up against the 12th ranked offense, which isn't that terrible. But is Carson Wentz going to super get the job done? I don't think so. I don't think so. It's so tough because you look at Washington's 28th ranked defense, but then you say, okay, that's largely because they give up 36 to Detroit. They only give up 22 to Jacksonville, who's somehow finding success and is one of the better teams in football right now. Don't know how that's happening. And Philadelphia, who's found a decent amount of success, only scored 24 points against them. So I don't know, man. I don't like either of these teams very much, but if anything is real, it's probably Dallas's defense which I did say was going to take a step back, but Micah Parsons is not taking a step back. The pass rush is at least still there. So give me Dallas. You know, it's kind of weird. If you look at the history between these two teams, it seems like it's always kind of a blowout. There's not a lot of... The last time there was a close game was like the first game in 2018. 23-31, 21-31, 47-16, 25-3, 41-16, 27-20, I guess is relatively close. It's still seven points. The last time they played, Dallas beat them 56-14. to I'll say uh, 25-14 Dallas. Detroit and Seattle, another relatively big game because we don't know that the Lions aren't uh, somewhat of a threat. Again, I don't know anything about any teams right now because everything is just completely messed up. But so far, Detroit is 1-2, fourth in the division, with the 32nd ranked defense, which, again, is more or less what I would have expected because they don't have a good defense. Again, slightly, slightly better than I thought, which sounds weird because they're ranked 32nd, but some of the individual players are doing somewhat better than I thought. Still, nothing really doing. Even Aiden Hutchinson, although people are praising him for how great of a job he's doing, 
on a play-to-play basis isn't doing all that great. I think Detroit is getting a lot of hype because supposedly they have this elite offense, but as I said last week, I think that kind of comes down to size, and it did. They scored 35 points in garbage time against Philadelphia. They got 36 against Washington, which, you know, sometimes you have a good day. I don't know. But then against Minnesota, first game on the road, they dropped a 24. If I had to guess whether they're a team that usually scores around 35 or a team that usually scores around 24, I'd say 24. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if their average from here on is slightly less than 24 because I just don't think they're that good. I'm just not buying in. But I mean, hey, if they can average 24 a game, that's significantly better than last year, I would assume. I'm not even going to look it up because I don't care enough. But if it's not, I'm stunned. And so I think Detroit is overinflated. However, I also think Seattle is overinflated. I don't know how. 28th ranked offense, 20th ranked defense, and they've lost two in a row. But there's this weird thing where Geno Smith apparently is a great quarterback, which is confusing because they scored seven points against the 49ers and 23 against the Falcons, who, as we said, have a terrible defense. So here's the deal. Detroit was two games at home. They scored 35 and 36. They went on the road against Minnesota, tough environment, didn't do quite as well. Now they're coming home and facing the worst defense they've played all year. I would say they're worse than Detroit. I know statistically they're not, but I would say that they are. But it's close. (laughs) Everything feels like a get-right-back-on-track game for their offense, but Amon Ross St. Brown is out. DeAndre Swift is out. Jackson, the guard, who's really high-quality left guard, is out. Walker, their safety. I know that's defense, but still, he was placed on IR. This is a disaster game that I I don't even want to touch. Because I'm going to have to pick one of these teams to win, and I'm going to look like an idiot because they're going to play like garbage, and it's going to be like, how did you pick that team? I don't know. I don't know why I picked that team. They both lose. I don't know how that works. Lions are three-and-a-half-point favorites. I don't know, man. Again, if I'm on Raw, St. Brown is in this game, it's real simple. The the Seahawks have 31st-ranked passing defense. Lions, if they can do anything well, it's pass the ball. But now they don't have Amon Ra. I'm going to pick Detroit just because they're at home and because Seattle's pathetic. And now Geno's going to go off for 300 yards and four touchdowns. You know, they, man, Geno is playing decent and they have Metcalf and, and Lockett. <sighs> Change my mind. I'm picking the stupid Seahawks. And I don't know if it's high scoring or low scoring because I don't want to bet on the offense or the defense to be competent. I'm just going to say 28-27 Seahawks because... I don't know, because Tennessee Indy doesn't super matter as far as we're concerned, but two pretty terrible teams. Tennessee did find success last week. Still a bad team. The Colts, same thing. They found success in a situation where they always tend to find success. I'm not going to drag this one out because it doesn't super matter, but I am going to pick the Colts to win. I don't think the Titans have a massive um, coaching advantage in this game. I know Matt Ryan has been terrible, but he's a competent enough quarterback to be able to figure it out. They've got Taylor in the backfield, who's a good running back. Still have a good offensive line. Pittman's having a good year. The defense for the Colts, uh, excuse me, for the Titans has not been great, aside from a couple guys up front. And on the flip side, the Colts' defensive front is pretty scary. Um, They've got Stephon Gilmore, who's actually playing at a really high level right now. So give me the Colts, who are coming off a big win against Kansas City. And again, I just think that Jacksonville thing was kind of fluky. Jacksonville's got a weird thing with Indy, I don't know. Plus, Jacksonville is better than we thought, apparently. So really, all there is is a week one tie with the Houston Texans, which doesn't look great, but it's week one. Divisional opponent. Yeah, two back-to-back divisional games. Both of them are on the road, but then they go home. They beat the Chiefs. They're at home again. Tennessee's coming to town. Say 24-20 Colts. And if the Titans win, I just won't ever bet against them. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. 
We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Bears-Giants is an interesting one. Two and one Bears and the two and one Giants, two teams that do not deserve to be two and one facing off against each other, where one undeserving team will actually be three and one. Isn't that lovely? Now, here's the thing as far as the Bears are concerned. I'm actually marginally impressed with their run game. Not as much as Bears fans are. They're talking about best run game in football, all this stuff, whatever. They went up against two of the worst run defenses in football the last two weeks. The Packers couldn't tackle David Montgomery to save their lives, and that's how he ended up gashing the team. It wasn't because they're this most elite dominant thing in the world. The very next week, the Packers learned how to tackle, and Leonard Fournette didn't run for nearly as many yards, obviously. The Houston Texans were, again, one of the worst run defense teams in football, so there you go. But the fact that you know that they're not going to be able to pass the ball, um, and you know they're going to be running the ball and you still can't top it, stop it, that's pretty big. Now, David Montgomery's out of this game. That's going to hurt your ability. And by the way, Byron Pringle is out of this game. Not that he's had much of an impact, but you're less confident in your passing ability and you're less able to run the ball. Now, I don't think Montgomery is nearly as good as, as Bears fans thought after that week against the Chicago Bears. Um, every time Khalil Herbert comes in, I feel like he's a better running back. Montgomery just had, you know, a good week. But still, it's hard to run as much as the Bears are going to want to run without a rotation. And if you're rotating, now you're bringing in another guy that's not on Montgomery and Herbert's level. And so, you know, from the Bears' standpoint, yeah, Khalil Herbert, solid running back. Again, I, I still think he's better than Montgomery. I just do. As far as a runner, he just has been consistently better. Montgomery just had one good week. I think the offensive line is overrated. Kayvon Thibodeau, as a rookie, has been extremely impressive so far. Just one week sample size, but extremely impressive. And they need that pass rush off the edge. And once again, you got decent corners here. Not good, but decent. What they don't have are good linebackers, and there's some questions along the defensive line. For example, O'Shane Zimenez, defensive tackle, one of the highest graded in football right now, has never been good. So I think he's probably overinflated. So all signs point to run the ball. Quarterback is 33rd out of 33. Darnell Mooney ranks 95th out of 103. Pettis is 77th out of 103. Equinemius is 28th, so barely a you know number one. And Cole Komet is just bad. You're going to run the ball. The question is, when the Giants line up knowing you're going to run the ball, can they stop you from running the ball? And right now, they have a lot, two linebackers, both with a grade of 29. I don't know. 
I, I generally assume that if, if a team knows you're running, they can probably stop you, especially if you're planning on doing it the entire game. But I don't know. On the flip side, Saquon Barkley is there. Bears defensive line is not good. The highest ranked defensive lineman they have is, as far as their starters, Al-Qadin Muhammad, ranking 79th out of 102. That's the best one they've got. Quinn is ranked 83rd. And on the interior, they're ranked 91st and 113th out of 115 defensive tackles. The problem is the Giants' offensive line is trash, with the exception of, exception of Andrew Thomas, who ranks number one in the NFL right now. But Evan Neal, the rookie first-round pick, um, is like the worst in football. 64th out of 65. So it's been a, been a rough start for him. So they're probably going to want to run the ball, but I don't know if they're going to be able to. I mean, the Giants have won two games, but it's entirely based on their defense. And mostly because they went up against two teams that are bad. And granted, the Bears are bad too. But the games that they've played so far, 21-20, 19-16, and 16-23. All the while, the Giants rank 28th in run defense and 19th in pass defense. How in the world are you keeping teams to this low scores? I don't know, man. I don't know. The Giants are the number two rushing team and the 31st ranked passing team. The Bears are the number five rushing team and the number 32 passing team. This is going to look like Big Ten football. That's what this is going to be. This is Big Ten football. This is run the ball, 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 run the ball. The only difference is the Giants at least attempted a little bit, but they rank 25th in attempts. The Bears are 32nd. Dead last. It's, it's, here's what I'll say. I'm going to pick the Giants, even though my gut's tell me the Bears are going to pull this out because they're going to run the ball better than the Giants will. I think the Giants have a better team. They're just underperforming so far. And I think they're likely to figure it out. Daniel Jones is playing poorly, but he has not ever played this bad, including his rookie year, which was pretty rough. Kenny Galladay had a pretty big drop off when he went to New York, but it wasn't this bad. So, I mean, if, if they can just get halfway back to where they were to a almost not embarrassing pa- passing office offense, along with so far a better running offense than the Bears have. There's no reason they shouldn't be able to win the game. Because again, whereas the Giants are struggling passing and really, really like to run, the Bears have no ability to pass and have no option but to run. So I don't know, man. Call it 21-20 Giants. The Jaguars-Eagles game is, is interesting because I don't know how real the Eagles are, and I don't know how real the Jaguars are. The Eagles the last two weeks have allowed seven and eight points against the Vikings and the Commanders. The Jaguars are coming off a game against the Chargers where they scored 38 points. Now, if I had to pick a team that was real, I would pick the Eagles. I know Lawrence is, is figuring it out, but this is a terrible offensive line with two decent wide receivers, no tight ends, and a subpar running back. I mean, it's a bad offensive line. And let's be honest, we're talking about Zay Jones and Christian Kirk. Were we really just wrong all this time about Zay Jones and Christian Kirk and they're actually really good wide receivers? Is that what's happening right now? Because I don't think so. Granted, Christian Kirk is grading out about the same as he always has, low 70s. But Zay Jones? Come on, man. It's the Jaguars' defense, though, that's kind of surprising. Gave up 28 points week one, but then followed that up with zero points to the Colts and 10 points to the Chargers. Josh Allen has been playing out of his mind. He had 10 10 pressures on 39 attempts (laughs) last week. The week before that, four pressures and two sacks on 27 attempts. He's at 16 pressures on 103 attempts so far this season. 90 overall grade. Devin Lloyd, 
you know, no offense to Quay, but if, if you were a big Devin Lloyd guy saying, why would we take him when Devin Lloyd was available? Um, you have a legitimate gripe because he is, I think, the number eight ranked linebacker in all of football right now. The last two weeks, he had an 87 and an 85 overall grade, 88 overall run defense grade, 76 tackling and a 67 coverage grade. But that's only because he had a 37 coverage grade week one. It's 75 and 83 the next two weeks. Devin Lloyd is playing out of his freaking mind. He's probably the best linebacker in football the last two weeks. So here, here's what I'm thinking. If I had to pick a team that was more real, it would be the Eagles. But I don't like this situation for the Eagles at all. And it's not because I believe in the Jaguars offense, because I don't. I think this might be a low-scoring game. And I haven't made up my mind who wins. But I think the Eagles' success is largely becoming because Jalen Hurts has all the time in the world to operate behind a very good offensive line and has some really good wide receivers to bail him out. I think the pass rush might be a little bit more uh, problematic than they've seen in the past. And I think the coverage might be significantly better with, you know, the 20th ranked corner and the 9th ranked corner in football. And I think you get Jalen Hurts out of his rhythm, starts to cause some problems, start to make some mistakes, can start to get ugly. And this Jaguars team beyond that is the number four ranked run defense team in football. Trayvon Walker, the rookie, is doing phenomenally as a run defender. Allen's doing a great job. And of course, Lloyd is doing a great job also. So you can't run. The pressure's there. And your guys aren't quite as wide open as they have been. I just don't think the Eagles offense looks as good this week. And they've only scored 24 and 24 the last two weeks. So that they, they took a big step back after week one. I think their offense is sub 20 this week. Now that doesn't say anything necessarily positive about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Or maybe, maybe they're at 20, 21. I don't know. Because this is a tough defense for the Jaguars to go up against also. So I don't know, man. Where are they playing? Please be in Philly. Oh, good. It's in Philly. Because I wanted to pick them anyways. Because again, I think they're more real. But I do think it's going to be low scoring. And I hope Vegas doesn't because I'm tired of them agreeing with me. I want to have a hot take for once. They have it at 45 points. That's a little more than I was thinking, but not much. I would go under. What do they have as a... Oh, the Eagles, six and a half point favorite. All right, fair enough. I thought it would be a little closer than that, but I guess guess I'm not fooling anybody here. Um, yeah, I'd probably pick, take the Jaguars with that. I mean, not to win, but six and a half is a lot. It's a, that's a tough thing, man. It's just a bad matchup for the Eagles who want to run the ball first and foremost against one of the better run defense teams in football. Sucks. I don't know. 2019 Eagles. Jets, Pittsburgh. I mean, good Lord. Steelers are picking, sticking with Trubisky, I guess. So, you know. And then the Jets get back uh, Zach Wilson. So I've given you no information because if the Steelers would have switched, which is what everybody wants, as though they have a great quarterback waiting in the wings. Come on. And the Jets, ooh, they got their quarterback back. Wow. The only guy that can compete with Justin Fields for suck award. So I, I don't know, man. Watch out for Pickens. He might get another four yards in this game. I really want to just pick the Jets because I've kind of been on that bandwagon all year. But honestly, it's Zach Wilson that's freaking me out a little bit. With TJ Watt being out, I just don't think the Steelers have anything super interesting. You know, Cam Hayward is, is there. Highsmith is decent. Minka's a good safety. Their linebackers suck. I mean, look, the, the Jets might have a better defensive line. They definitely have better corners, and they absolutely have better linebackers. Trubisky's probably a better quarterback, although nobody's going to want to admit that. It's true. All the Trubisky hate, and the guy's ranked 14th in the NFL right now with a 71 overall grade. Deontay Johnson is a good wide receiver. It's true. But he's going to have some tough sledding against this really solid cornerback group. I don't, I don't know. I can't pick the Jets. It's the Jets, dude. It's the Jets. Picking the Steelers. I'm sticking with the Steelers. I don't care. I'm not picking the stupid Jets. Steelers win 14-12. <laughs> Because I don't care. Bills Ravens actually is 
very interesting, although they're AFC. Here's what I'd, I want to get out in front of. I've been betting against the Ravens, not necessarily saying they're going to lose, but the biggest thing I've been saying is they got a pretty good defense. they got some things working for them, but I don't trust Lamar. And the reason I've been saying that is because Lamar hasn't been any good at football aside from the one year he won MVP. Well, I just checked in on him. Turns out he's kind of playing at that MVP level again. Might have something to do with that whole contract situation and wanting to make a bunch of money and the team being like, yeah, I don't know, we'll see how it goes. And he's like, all right, we will see how it goes. And so presumably he's going to make all that money and then then next year will be the year that we can count him out again. Just, just, just a thought. Or maybe he'll fall off again this year. I don't know. But he's playing really, really well right now. Interestingly enough, both teams' one loss came against Miami. Miami's defense beat the Buffalo Bills. Miami's offense beat the Baltimore Ravens. Kind of weird. The other two teams, though, Buffalo beat the Rams and the Titans. Baltimore beat the Jets and the Patriots. Which ones are more impressive? Jets and the Patriots suck. Uh, Titans kind of suck. Rams are pretty good. But I think the fun part about this game is the fact that Buffalo has not given up more than 21 points in a game. Baltimore, the last two weeks, has scored 38 and 37. Their lowest scoring game was against the Jets. They scored 24. Another interesting note is that the Baltimore Ravens defense actually hasn't been super great aside from week one against the Jets, where they allowed nine. After that, it was 42 points to Miami and 26 to the Patriots, who, again, the whole thing with the Patriots is their offense sucks, and he still gave up 26 points. So I'm, I'm pretty confident the Buffalo Bills are going to probably score a decent amount of points. And again, I don't know that that happens on the other side of things. Because even in that loss, it happened because the Buffalo Bills, for whatever reason, couldn't remember how to score points. So I'm going to have it 31-27 Bills. Chargers, Texans, nobody in the world could possibly care. Chargers are going to win. Why? I don't know, because they're not the Texans, probably. I mean, the, the, the Chargers have a massive injury bug, and if there's going to be a big upset, it's probably this team who's, you know, again, banged up beyond belief. They're on a two-game losing streak, but they lost to the Chiefs, and again, the Jaguars, who are seemingly playing good football, I guess. I don't know. It's also in Houston. Man, if this... <laughs> oh, boy. Whatever. I'm not overthinking it. Uh, I'm going to say 24 to... I'm going to say 24-20. Chargers defense hasn't been all that great, so it's not like I expect them to, the Texans to be worse than normal, because I don't. Arizona and Carolina, I'm, I'm, I, I, see, I see where people are coming from. The Carolina Panthers are one-point favorites at home. They're looking at the Cardinals and saying this is an abysmal defense, etc., etc. Here, here's the thing. This is what I'm going to go back to. If this was week one, what, we, what would we have said? The Cardinals are going to just absolutely smoke the Panthers. They're going to smoke them. Why? Because they're better. They have a better roster. Yeah, but what about the Cardinals' defense? They allowed 23 and 20 points the last two weeks. I'm not saying I like their players, but the only reason they're ranked 31st is because they allowed 44 points in week one. That's it. The Rams scored 20 points on them. They lost because they only scored 12. But similar to what I said about the Giants, I think the offensive line is better. I think the, the quarterback is better. I think they have more talent. They just need to do a better job of getting after it. And the Panthers are the team to, to be able to do that. The two games they lost are against the Chiefs and the Rams. These are two good football teams. One of them is a divisional opponent. Then you played the Raiders. Your defense did well. Your offense did well. Granted, it was overtime, but still 29-23, solid. Cardinals should win this game. Again, the offense has been struggling. I think the offense does a little bit better. 28-22 Carolina, or <laughs> 28-22 Cardinals. Denver and Las Vegas. Look, I, I, the bottom line is the Raiders are in trouble. Now, they're 0-3, and at some point, you know, you got to pick them to win a game. You don't think they're going to go all the way, you know, without winning a game. They might, but 
I think th- this was my big mistake last week when I picked the Raiders is that I overestimated the roster and underestimated the coaches. The Raiders, for some reason, hired Josh McDaniels to be their head coach. And the last time he was a head coach, it was a complete disaster. And it doesn't seem to be any different. And already you found a way to isolate your prized possession this year, which is Devontae Adams, finding ways to not get him the ball even when he's wide open. And now he's in the locker room saying he's really upset about the way things are going. Now, the problem is (laughs) Nathaniel Hackett's on the other side. And I don't know that he's been doing a bang up job either. They right now with Russell Wilson, which is shocking. Russell Wilson is their their prize possession. They have the 31st ranked offense. And it's not that one outlier where they scored zero points. 16, 16, and 11. This is garbage. And so you've got a Broncos team that's not allowing a lot of points, although they've played three absolute garbage football teams. Seahawks offense is trash. Houston Texans are trash. And the 49ers which I thought Garoppolo would be better. He played the worst game of his entire career, and they were trash. And so are the Raiders, so there you go. So (laughs) I guess 16-13 Broncos. I guess that's what we'll go with. Seems ridiculous. You'd think, well, you got Hackett, who's, you know, they're bringing this innovative offense. Russell Wilson, they've got these wide receivers. Everyone's been bragging about that. I actually haven't really done anything, but we're just supposed to pretend it's one of the better wide receiver groups in football for some reason, despite the complete lack of success ever. Then you got Raiders, you know, Carr's there and Devontae's there. You know, last week I made the mistake of saying, hey, they're going to figure it out, and they didn't. So it's weird, but until they can prove to be anything other than garbage, it's 16-13 Broncos. Final game before the Packers is the Sunday night game, Chiefs-Buccaneers. I was listening to somebody talk about how I think the Buccaneers are going to come back. They're going to be angry after a loss, that whole thing, and and you're going to see a better version of Tom Brady. I don't think that version really exists. I think this is a bad offense. And remember, this is this is a different team and a different coach. Bruce Arians was the head coach. Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator, took over for Bruce Arians. So now they have a defensive coordinator who had a pretty terrible track record as a Jets head coach. Um, also a pretty bad track record for a minor stint in Miami. I guess it's not a bad tracker. He just didn't really get many opportunities. But he is now the head coach. Tampa has scored 19, 20, and 12 points. So yeah, he's getting, his, he's getting his wide receiver back, super angry. Okay, great, be angry. What are you going to do about it? And yeah, they got the number one ranked um, offense, but I'm sorry to tell you, the Packers offense, or number one ranked defense, Packers offense hasn't been very good. The Saints offense is not very good. And the Dallas Cowboys were bad and then lost their quarterback. I'm not saying they're not doing a good job and they don't have a good defense, but this is by far the best offense they've played all year. And so this is entirely up to your defense, keeping the Kansas City Chiefs points down, similar to what the Colts did, down to 17. Because if they make it up to 25, 6, 7 points, I don't think the Bucs get there. I just don't think they do. Maybe they do. I don't know. But if they get up into the 30s, no way. But you want to talk about them being mad? What about the Chiefs being mad? And this is not a new system for the Chiefs. It's the same offensive system, same head coach, same offensive coordinator, same players largely aside from Tyreek. Same, well, similar offensive line, same quarterback, same running back, same tight end who is your number one target. So I believe in the Chiefs more than I believe in Tampa Bay right now, which is a good thing because we need Tampa to lose this game because Tampa is absolutely a threat. And if they fall to two and two, that is a glorious thing because then they get the Raiders and then they go see the Bills. They might lose three out of their next four potentially. Well, three out of, you know, four, starting with Green Bay ending with the Bills. So I don't think they get sub-20. I think they do get back to 
call it 27. Because remember, the Chargers are always a really tough matchup for them. In fact, the Chargers tend to tend to beat the Chiefs, even if they're not as good of a team. But the Charger, the Chiefs ended up pulling ahead in that game and won 27-24. And so, the, I mean, technically this might be the worst defense that they've faced all year with the Packers, Saints, and Cowboys, maybe. But I don't know. I'll call it uh, 28-24 Chiefs. All right, and that brings us to the Packer game. And I, I wish I could say that I was all in on this 9.5 points, but um, beating a team by 10 is tough. It just, it just is. Beating that team, maybe not so much. Again, the Packers are undefeated when they have, you know, this big of odds in their favor. So I'm absolutely picking the Packers. But am I going to pick them to win by 10 points? I don't know how you do that. I mean, you have, let's, let's be honest, the Packers' offense has not been very good. There's been glimmers of looking promising and whatnot, but the most they've scored all year is 27 points. That was against the Chicago Bears, and the Patriots actually have a pretty decent defense. So if they, let's just say they don't get to 27. What the heck are the Patriots going to get to? Was it going to be 24 to 14? They just scored 26 against the Ravens. They got to 17 against Pittsburgh. Those are two good defenses. I mean, you know, Pittsburgh with Watt. So, you know, unfortunately, I tend to see this as another defensive battle similar to what it was last week. Um, hopefully we can run up the score a little bit early again. Although it would be nice to just consistently score points beyond halftime, which doesn't seem like we're able to do for whatever reason. The only real glimmer of hope here is the fact that um, their defense allowed 37 last week against the Ravens. Now, the Packers aren't the Ravens, not even close in terms of offense, but I, I, I'm going to get back on this Christian Watson train. The fact that we now know we can rely on Romeo Dobbs and the fact that we get Christian Watson back, and I'm not talking about him getting, you know, eight for eight or getting, but still the, the speed, the ability to stress and stretch the defense is going to open things up a lot, which makes it easier for guys like Romeo Dobbs. Biggest question is, is he going to be comfortable in the pocket? And I think he will be more so than Tampa Bay, because as much as, you know, they're going to have a hard time against, you know, a tough defense, it's not Tampa Bay's defense. So they only got to 14 last week. I'll say they get to 21 this week. Patriots 17. So 21-17 Packers, well under the nine and a half. Plus, let's be honest, it's going to be a heart attack. It, it has to be. They'll probably have 21 points by halftime and then just ride it out. Patriots will have three. They'll come back to 17 points. And then, you know, there'll be a, a, a late fourth quarter stop to win the game or something stupid. But anyways, that's all I got. Again, I wish I could tell you that we're going to win by 30. It's going to be a blowout or whatever. And we'll talk more about it tomorrow. Tomorrow will be much more the let's get fired up for the game episode where we just talk trash and the Packers win by a billion. But, um, you know, it's just it's hard to say a 10 point win for a team that hasn't really proven that the offense can be consistently good for four quarters. I don't see how you get there, but I'll take it. Vegas likes it. I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have yourselves a fantastic day. Let me know your thoughts. Call in to the Packernet voicemail thing. 608-501-0718. Let me know what you think about this game. Who's going to win? What the score is going to be? All that good stuff. I'll talk to you later. Have a good one. Bye-bye.